It's the end of summer yet again, and we're discussing the perfect summer read by Ellen Hildebrand, Summer of 69. I'm Natalie, the youngest sister. I'm Jess, the middle sister. I'm Pam, the oldest sister. And I'm Nancy, their mom. And we're back with another episode of the Novel Expressions Book Club. As with many books we discussed, this was a second read for us, and I can't wait to discuss it again. So first and foremost, I would love to be able to rent a room on Martha's Vineyard for the summer for only 150 bucks. Do you think that's still possible? Oh, I wish we still lived then. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure you could get it for 150 a night. That's right. right. That's probably true. And Kirby also had her parents pay for it. So maybe right. we could have mom pay for us to stay there the summer. Absolutely. He agreed to the beach house and to paying my salary so I could just not work this year. That is true. You have that in writing. writing. I have it in writing. You do have it in writing. I forgot about that. Shoot. (laughs) Just get her to sign it sometime soon. (laughs) Right. Um, The other thing about this, well, many things about this book, but one of the things that I really appreciated, and I think I talked about this when we first discussed this book and you all were like, Cool story. Um, But I've traveled to Boston a lot for work, and I have actually stayed at the Parker House Hotel, now named the Omni Parker House. It is like a super old hotel, maybe the oldest in Boston, and they say it's haunted, and it's like super gilded and just really formal and sort of old school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've stayed there many times, and it is right down the street from Marliav, which is a restaurant that's mentioned in the book, and I've been there, and it's a super cute, delicious restaurant. So it's just really cool to number one, see these places in the 60s that still are around today and that I've actually been able to go to. Yeah, that cool is a story. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, it really, like, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, that sounded insincere. That was insincere. You know what, that is interesting. Oh. <laughs> right you guys are heart. really slamming on Natalie. The restaurant uh-huh. sounds yummy. It is yummy. <laughs> No, that really is cool because I agree. Anytime you have that relatable thing in a book, that is fun. It's and like the like, time I talked about San Francisco and everyone was like, crickets. <laughs> right. Can you tell you know me what? I Stop name dropping every place you've been to, girl. Exactly. Sorry, right. not sorry. But also, I agree with you because we're talking, what, 52 years ago? Am I doing my math right? Yeah, because, so. Yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily expect something to still be around. So it is truly a cool story. Uh, One of my favorite things about this book is all of the different perspectives that we get. Even though they're not told in first person necessarily, I like kind of being in the shoes or in the brain or whatever you want to say of the different characters. And I also like how they overlap, but sometimes it would mess me up. You know, I'd start the next chapter and I'm thinking like, didn't that already happen? But because I'm getting it from a different character's perspective, that was cool because they didn't all perceive it the same way, you know? So I really enjoyed having those different perspectives throughout the book. I totally did too. And I think my favorite of them all, although I really liked several of the characters, I think my favorite was Jessie, the young girl who turned 13. I think Ellen Hildebrand did an amazing job at 
coming up with the voice of a middle schooler. She, Jesse, sounded just like some of the students that I get coming to me, you know, ninth grade, just out of middle school. It was like the perfect capture of them. I totally agree with you. And I love when we hear Jesse's voice realizing that she can keep some things to herself. Instead of just blurting out whatever is in her brain, she realizes, oh, I don't have to share these feelings with everybody. I really liked her too. And I found myself thinking back to when I was her age and thinking about, you know, when we would go camping, I didn't get to go to Martha's Vineyard, but I went camping, you know, and I met a <laughs> boy Missoula? one time. <laughs> uh, I believe back then it was Salt Fork. Oh, yes, okay. it was. Uh, Pleasant Hill, is that the other one? Pleasant Hill, yeah. Maybe a little right. tapping by that yeah, age. Mm -hmm. I think we did that once, yeah. yeah. Which I loved, I mean, love, love, loved. And, you know, I met a boy there, and I, so I was thinking about those things that I was reading. I also really love the way that uh, the narrator describes Jesse's feelings um, because they're, they're really relatable and they're, they're just like, I don't know, so descriptive. I just, I I'm just gonna give you an example. Okay, so she's writing a letter to Tiger and then she pauses and it says, will Tiger be able to tell that she has a crush on Pick? She never understood the term crush before. But now it makes sense because every cell in Jesse's body feels like it's being squeezed. Her heart is like an orange pressed into the knuckle of the juicer until all of the emotion oozes out. And I was like, yes, I remember having crushes where you physically feel a certain way. And so I just, I, there were so many more examples, but I just thought that was a good one of her expressing her feelings. I think that's why I liked her so much because I think she triggered in me those memories and those experiences from when I was her age. And I really could connect to that. And I think anyone who's able to make that happen, you know, from an adult brain, it, it's pretty impressive. And I would say that, especially since in retrospect, in retrospect, when you think back on those times when you did dumb things or whatever, you think, why was I so dumb? When you hear this description of how she felt, you go, oh, that's why I did what I did. I, because as an adult, I'm thinking back without the emotional attachment to it, and I'm only looking at it in a logical way. But when you're in the midst of it, oh man, your emotional state is overriding everything else. At least it was for me. No, you're right. Uh, one, what's that? You're right, absolutely. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I just, it made me upset and maybe sick about was that her that uh, Jesse was told that huge family secret about her mom's first husband. First of all, she's a child and you're telling her something like that. And secondly, how could her mother have been sure that she was not as a teenager going to blurt it out at some point? She's a teenager. And I just I just hated that for Jesse, but also in or for the integrity of keeping that secret a secret. Well, and I felt like it was so unfair because <clears throat> David is her dad. And knowing that they convinced him. Yeah. And, and honestly, that, that, that means there's this huge lie between her mom and her dad. Right. Mm -hmm. She now knows. I mean, I just think that would change everything for her. Mm -hmm. So it's just totally unfair. Right. And I, a lot of the way that Kate acted that summer, and I, 
I've never been in her shoes, so I don't know what it would be like. And I know that she was struggling with Tiger being overseas at war, but I just felt like she kind of gave up being a mom. And so I didn't particularly like her all that much, but Mm -hmm. I will say in that situation, how horrific for her to have to be carrying that, just that secret around and the guilt around that maybe she was the one who had caused her previous husband to commit suicide, which obviously it's not her fault, but she feels like it's her fault. And that would just be such a burden to carry. And because her mother loved him so much and had great disdain for David and her mother's personality was such a strong one that she, like if her mother didn't approve of something, it was a problem for her. It really mattered to her. It just, it made everything so much more complicated. And I'm with you on this, Jess. Um, I do think Kate needed to unburden. Like I definitely think she needed to tell somebody I think it was a poor choice. Yes. I'm not even saying, okay, I'm not even saying that maybe it doesn't need to come out to the whole family, but I don't think Jesse should be told first and be expected to keep a secret. But I, yeah, cause I, I, I agree. Kate had to, I don't know how you live with that. Uh-uh. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big secret to be carrying around. What I wonder is if she had told David, what would have happened? Hmm. I mean, could his law degree, could his practice be on the line? Well, now that they're married, he could probably, oh. whatever that is. Spousal privilege. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Maybe that's why she married him. Also, I mean, I think we all know that lawyers, they defend their client. Right. Well, I mean, true. we know there are lawyers who defend their client and they probably don't believe them. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. So well, and it sucks that now Jesse has to lie to her dad. Yes, and that's why I think you know if she got mad at her mom, she could just use it as leverage. Mm -hmm. I would. I mean, that's (laughs) what a thirteen-year-old kid would do. It's just natural. I still would today. No, I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) He's not lying. I believe you. (laughs) So speaking of that big secret, um. I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but Lorraine Lavender uh, mm-hmm. reminds me of Cloud from Firefly mm-hmm. Lane. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, similar time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way, you know, the changing of the name, the, you know, Woodstock, the, uh, the um, what do you call it? A commune? commune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they live. Yeah. I mean, just so Communal many living. Stories. Yeah, totally different author, but just reminded oh. me and I wanted to slap her across the face when she came into that house and said those things she said to Kate about Wilder. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? That was her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, did you want to talk about something you think our author captured perfectly? Yeah, sorry. I thought we had already talked about this. Um, So one of the things that I really liked was that at some point in the novel, Jesse begins to realize that adults are fallible, that they are real people, that they have fears and dreams just like she does, that they make mistakes, that sometimes they lie, they have stuff to hide. And I remember 
when I learned that uh, in my, about people in my family. And I think I was about in eighth grade. So it was about, I was probably just turning 13 when that happened. So I thought that would really hit the mark very well. Do you think that kids are learning that at a younger age now? Because I kind of feel like 13 seems old for that now, to be learning that people are human. Yeah, I think probably because of the, you know, everything that is coming at them. Yeah, I think they do learn it earlier. Right, right. That's true. Um, well, I just also want to say one quick final thought on like the multi-character. I do also feel like all of the characters were very distinct and had like the voices were very clear for each person. You could yep. feel each character differently. Right. I agree with you. <clears throat> one random side note that I just want to mention because it came out during Jesse's perspective Another literary reference, something else that I teach uh, at my students at my school, uh, the story, The Necklace by Guy mm -hmm. de Maupassant. And I think it was Blair who had told Jesse to read it when she had lost the necklace and was trying to hide it from right. Belka. That's just, correct. I just love seeing that kind of stuff. It's so fun. Well, and that's not the only literary reference because uh, Diary of Anne Frank. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So I thought of mom on that one because yep. she used that. But I've had it for many years. Such a good story. It is. I remember reading Anne Frank in mom's class and like she mm -hmm. had us read the different parts. Mm -hmm. That's right. I remember actually, so this is funny. I would have been about that age, right? Because I was in eighth grade when we read it. And I remember wanting to play, like wanting to read a certain part and have a boy in the class who I thought was cute, read a different certain part. So we could be like, I don't know what characters it would have been, I guess. Would have been Anne and, and Peter. Yeah. Don't they kiss at one point in the story? Yes. I feel like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But there's a part where he also chases after her and he gets on top of her because she's stolen his shoe. That's probably the part Natalie wanted because it was a very flirtatious part. Was it that part, Natalie? I don't remember the specific okay. part. I remember the boy. <laughs> oh, which you want to tell us? I don't want to share his name. Uh, okay. He may be out there listening. <laughs> he may be one of our listeners. That's so. right. Exactly. <laughs> you never know. Want to be careful. So we kind of mentioned Exalta a little bit, and I didn't always like her, okay? But at the same time, she fascinates me because on one hand, she's this prim and proper woman, you know, and there are certain things, but then there are other things about her that are so not prim and proper. And I'm going to give an example, but I also have to make fun of myself for a second because as I was adding quotes to the doc, I was like, uh, I think this shows that I teach 10th grade English where it's all about citing evidence because I feel like I, I, I often have like three or four quotes that I want to give, but I'm going to read it anyway. So according to Exalta, there is no reason to shower indoors during the summer. So although there are three full baths in the main house and a bathroom with a stall shower in this house, Exalta insists that everyone in residence at All's Fair and Little Fair line up for the outdoor shower. And I thought, really? Like, she's prim and proper on one hand, but she wants to take an outdoor, which an outdoor shower does sound lovely, but certainly you're contending with bugs and 
the ground probably isn't clean and you know so it'd just be different so I don't, just things like that about her just were fascinating it's a really interesting point like in general but i do think if you look at like the royal family for example they have like their country retreat where they go and they're hunting with dogs you know right. i feel like that's kind of a thing when like you're real rich is that like you can you can have both worlds and they're both probably a little bit like an outdoor shower like that's a kind of a luxury to an extent i mean i don't have an outdoor shower so mm -hmm. i don't know i just think it's maybe a, it is characteristic of that type of wealth but it is also just strange to think about it and kind of along that line of exaltus character i thought it was interesting that jesse felt so protective of her dad when she wasn't allowed to use her last name at the club only to find out that it had really nothing to do with it and that David couldn't have cared less. He knew exactly who Exalta was. He had ways of needling her in his own way. And, it, but I, I remember feeling that way too about my, one of my parents feeling very protective about that parent only to find out that they didn't need me to protect them. You mm -hmm. know, that they were, they could handle it themselves, so or maybe didn't even need it to be handled because it didn't bother them. I feel like I was like that with you, mom, when I was younger. I, re I distinctly remember some episodes where I was protective of you oh. at that age, right? Like yes. I'm thinking of one in particular. Is everyone thinking of the same one I'm thinking of? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There were so many times where you got nasty now. I'm not sure. This? <laughs> We'll never let things go. Y'all won't ever let me grow up and be the person I am today. You keep holding me back with this history. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's right. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't either. <laughs> I actually don't either. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Interessante. But I know what you're saying because David was like, yeah, we write Nichols. She's the member here. Yeah. Okay. Like he, he wasn't phased by it at all. Yeah. And she was so indignant about it. She's racist. That's why she's doing it. it. Had nothing to do with that. Also, she was reading the diary of Anne Frank at the time. Absolutely. Right. And so she felt that certain angst about it. And Plus she got her tree of life necklace. That's right. Special mm -hmm. 13th birthday. Um, one thing that I was really indignant about yeah. is the fact that Angus felt like he could just tell Blair, you're not going to work and you're not going to go to grad school. Like you're just going to, even before the babies were born, you're just not, not happening. You're my wife now. Like, that's crazy. But that's how it was in the late 60s no, or the 70s. No, but it makes me nuts. I feel like I could have lived in that time period, but I would have been like the Kirby of like going to protest. Right. And, yeah. Um, I hear you, sister. It kind of surprises me, though, that they didn't have that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because clearly he knew when he met her that she was an educated woman who seemed to be on that path of, you know, she would, so that's the weird part to me that they would, you know, that, and that she was so shocked by it when it happened. Because and she I assumed do. that he knew that and he assumed that she knew what he was going to say to her. Yeah. But I do also think that part of it was his mental health issues that he was struggling with. And I think that he was, because later on he wasn't he didn't do that he yeah. cut back on his work he helped with the kids she went back to school so it wasn't necessarily like this is the way or we're done he was willing to compromise yeah you know what 
speaking of his mental health thing, it still doesn't understand his misbutton shirt. I thought that was a loose end. Why did he look so disheveled? And why was his shirt misbuttoned after he went to see his therapist? Mm. That is I always felt question. like I wish they would have addressed that later on. Maybe his shirt was like always misbuttoned, like from it's the moment possible. he left in the morning. Yeah, but you know, but they just made a point of that at that when she when he came flying into the office and she was there and he looked so guilty and everything that I just felt like I wish somehow later on when she found out that he was seeing a therapist that he would have cleared that up for her because I needed it cleared up for me. Because mom started going, oh, he's sleeping with his therapist. <laughs> right. right. You're right though. I, I mean, I kind of think of him as like that absent-minded professor type. Yeah. So I would expect him to look disheveled, but you're right. It was pointed out almost as if he had just had a lunchtime rendezvous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one other thing of the time that probably would have infuriated me if I did live during then is the fact that they had full term size maternity dresses. Like what, what does that even mean? They're bigger. I don't get it. It's not a thing they do these days. Well, that's true because the, the attitude then was you hide your pregnancy. Today, the clothes are made so that it reveals your baby bump. That really emphasizes it because everything is kind of tight around it. Then so you what will, does full term size mean? Just like a giant Like a tab? big old tent. Like a big old tent. A momo. Yep. <laughs> momo, yeah. That is unfortunate. One thing that I would like to tip my hat to Ellen Hildebrand for is the fact that she was able to combine so many different issues within the book without making it seem too much. She talked about things like race, things like sex, uh, class, abuse, war, mental health, all of these kinds of things put it all into one novel. And I feel like a lot of times when authors try to cover that much, it seems like too much. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I don't think it felt like that. And I'm not sure why, but I was very impressed by it. I think one of the reasons it didn't feel like it was too much is because she didn't tidy them all up very neatly. Like Kirby with, um, what was his name? Charlie? Uh, What was it? Derek. Darren. There was Darren and there was also Scotty Turbo. Okay, so no, it was Kirby with Darren. The idea that uh, people's eyes were, you know, eyebrows were raised because she entered the black uh, beach and those kinds of things. It wasn't perfect and they didn't, it wasn't like they were riding off into the sunset and they were going to have, because that probably wouldn't have happened. And she knew who he was. She knew how he felt about her and how uncomfortable he felt with her being white and him being black. So I liked that. I liked just addressing things, but not wrapping everything neatly up in a bow and saying it's perfect because it's not. I also feel like the time period lent itself really well to those. I mean, I guess you could argue that there are probably several times throughout history where that's the case, but I, Mm -hmm. I think there are probably certain periods more than others where different things were super front and center. And mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of those issues that you mentioned, Jess, were super front and center just in the, you know, in the U.S. at that point in time. Yep. The Vietnam yep. War not only sparked protests about the Vietnam War, but it also sparked the protests about many of those things that were, that you just mentioned, Jess. 
yeah, I felt like um, we talk about historical fiction. It was like, this could have been real. Like this was, mm-hmm. it was almost like Ellen Hildebrand wrote about a family she knew. Yep. You know, that it was yep. just so, and so I think that's true about the time period just lending itself to all of those things. I agree with you. You know, one of the parts that uh, was just so heartbreaking to me is when Kate and David go to the Quaker church to pray for Tiger. It just broke my heart. I could feel that now. David isn't even his father, you know, biologically. And yet they, and, but he knew how much Kate loved that boy. And of course she, he cared for him. They didn't really have, didn't seem like they really had a religion. They, they were not super faithful churchgoers or whatever, but they were, she was terrified about Tiger. And I just, I could feel them there. Just, that was well-written, I thought. I really can't imagine that um, as a mother at all, like that in particular, having your, your son get called up to go to war, not even like he signed up. I just, that's still really hard for me to fathom, but um, sisters, I did write down a quote that was like, "Hmm, maybe that's what's happening here. So um, it's talking about Kate and it says she would never say she loves the son the most. She will say only that she loves him differently. It's the fierce, all-consuming love that any mother feels for her child, but with a dash of extra indulgence. Amen. Now, I just want to tell you, I also wrote the same quote down in my notes because it sounds a bit familiar to our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mother, do you want to speak on this? Do you have a truth? dash of extra indulgence for your only son? For all of my children. <laughs> who she give a house to <laughs> that count? oh my gosh did pj say something to you girls uh no <laughs> what are you talking about with you but now you need to elaborate it wasn't pj no one said anything i was just joking about how he lives with you when he comes home oh okay this nothing, is nothing. awkward <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Well, it we sounds will be like talking about this once we get stuck. <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe there was a will update recently. There has not oh. been any will update recently. Power of attorney, banking. There has not been any. <laughs> I don't believe we it. We might need to wrap up this podcast and have a little powwow with <laughs> Sorry, listeners. We got to take on. a quick break. <laughs> we'll be back after this, and we might not all be here. <laughs> Um, okay, we'll park that one for now. Um, but I was also going to say, when we were talking earlier about the different voices, we could write a book, the four of us could each write our own chapters as the different voices because it was the mom and then the three sisters. Right. And the so, boy yeah. was out of the picture mostly. That That's sounds nice. Yes, perfect. That sounds nice. <laughs> it kind of sounds familiar. Right. I, okay. Well, not right now, but. Right I, ha- I do have to jump in and say, though, I did really like the letters from Tiger. They're, they were few and far oh, between. Yeah. And I really liked when he told his mom, I'm okay. And they tried to get me to come home, but I said no, because I yes. found something I'm really good at. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. It sounds like our brother. And I mm-hmm. will tell you that I, 
at the end of the novel, I was praying that he was going to be able to come home. I was like worried about him. Like, I wish I could know for sure that he was able to come home. I just feel better. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's that whole thing at Thanksgiving where the door comes open and you think, I know, they're trying to say like, it's his ghost and something happened, you know, but I just want to say that. And I think it was a chapter, but where they were heading back to Nantucket for the Thanksgiving and each of the characters got to share a little bit about their perspective. And then Kate surprised them with that house. I and know, then they that, had was awesome. that was like my favorite part of the whole book. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But can you imagine buying a house and not telling your husband? No, uh, no. no. And especially not one like that. <laughs> Like, how did she manage that? Nantucket, like, it it must have been been from her trust fund from Exalta. Like, it had to have been some sort of, or settlement money from the life insurance or something like that. But, like. Something tucked aside, yeah. That is crazy. And that he wouldn't Mm -hmm. have had to, like, know to sign paperwork, you know? I just. Right. Probably in her name. But, yeah, I mean, back then. And if they council stuff, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And at the same time, she feels totally comfortable doing it because he mentioned it. Right. Right. You know, she knows this is like a big, it's like a gift to him. It really is. Yeah. Right. And even better than that, she knows that Exalta is going to be okay with it because Exalta's got a new man in her life that she wants to yeah. play house with. Right. So it all works, worked out. Which was cute, by the way. And that was another thing that I found fascinating about Exalta's character. Because again, the prim and proper, but she's having an affair with the maintenance guy. Right. right. And I love that Jesse saw them kissing in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> and thought it was her parents at first. Yes. <sighs> um, she did seem to have kind of changed her perspective by the end, like with her conversation with Kirby about the fact that Darren's black and right. she seemed more progressive. She mm-hmm. did. Um, the other thing that I'm surprised, Mom, you didn't bring up is the chapter titles. They were all songs from that yes, period. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I loved it. I loved it. That was another thing that reminded me of Firefly Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because each one of those was a song. I can't mm-hmm. remember if the book was like that. Uh, no, I it was Kate it was. or Tully. Yeah. yeah okay. Right, yeah. right. 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 Yeah. yeah. There but were lots of song Netflix. references, but. Yeah. Right. Oh, yes. But the Netflix series named each ep- mm-hmm. episode <laughs> uh, song title. Which episodes are we discussing during this episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, episodes one through four in this episode. And then the next episode, we'll talk about episodes seven through <laughs> five through ten episodes. Now, is that five episodes or six episodes? I really right. can't do that. When I have to do like 10 minus four. Hey so. guys, hang on a second because I think I'm having an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. If you don't get that reference, you need to go back and listen to every episode we've ever recorded. Just be correct. One episode after another. Yeah. <laughs> Binge all the episodes. Okay. Anything else we want to talk about with Summer of 69? Oh, we didn't even talk about the Chappaquiddick. Oh, yeah. Chappaquiddick. Yeah. 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 That's all I wanted to say. Right. Well, I, I will say this. I do remember when it was all over the newspapers for weeks and weeks because, of course, when a senator 
is involved in something like that. Yikes. And of course, that did keep him really from going higher in his political endeavors, so to speak. It did ruin it. Any chances he wanted for president or anything like that. Yeah. I do like how um, it was incorporated into the story. Mm -hmm. You know, how Patty's sister comes into town with this friend and that friend. Right. And I don't remember anything about that. I don't even really remember learning about it. But the first time we read this book, I looked into it and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I thought that was well done. Also kind of crazy. I mean, I know she left, but still boss, what was her name? Miss Benny? Mm -hmm. Boy, she was like, yeah, you're out the door, Kirby. Mm -hmm. That was kind of crazy. But I think emotions were heightened with everything going on. But at the same time, I was glad that Kirby wasn't there to witness. Yeah. Because that would have been bad for her to be involved in that. Absolutely. And and I also thought it was great then that she went to Nantucket. You know, that Mm -hmm. she went home and they kind of had that time and yeah it that aspect did kind of wrap up nicely yeah not everything tied off perfectly especially the whole tiger situation but there were some nice pieces of closure Mm -hmm. yeah this is one of those books that i feel like there's so much to it and then when we go to talk about it i think are we doing it justice Mm. you know i'm like look I adored this book the first time I read it, and I adored it the second time I read it. I just love this book. Agree. Really good. Okay. Um, The only other thing we didn't talk about that we probably should maybe mention is the whole um, Joey and Angus Whalen, like that whole thing with Blair. Like, Blair, what are you doing? awkward and yeah you're dating him and then you marry his brother like shortly thereafter mm-hmm. and and then oh well, making yeah, out with and, him and him too though to give her that lighter. lighter yeah yeah engrave that way yeah she wasn't my favorite character no mine neither who was your favorite jesse i liked kirby and jesse yeah. me too those were my favorite Mm-hmm. Matt, yours? Yeah. Same. Yeah. I like to pick two to a point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then and Tiger. I but I, I hated mean, I when Pick bad. just kind of dumped her. Right. Yeah I, yeah, I felt bad for Pick. Be, well, yes, I didn't like that how he did Jesse, but I did feel bad for him because while well, he tried to put on this, mm-hmm. I'm okay, everything's okay front. Yeah. I mean, mom left him, and yep. then again uh, yeah Mm -hmm. and then at woodstock and okay that reminded me again of um cloud with tully you know just getting lost in the crowd i was just like how cool that would have been to be at woodstock though that would have been so awesome sounds like like bonnaroo jess right i mean when they were describing it yes it definitely sounds like bonnaroo on a much smaller scale bonnaroo is for sure but so much fun um, I just always assumed you were at Woodstock. I was <laughs> at 10. 10. <laughs> people, I was 10. 
I could see grandma taking you to that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although <laughs> you guys, Jess and Natalie, you guys, there was a teacher at our school who supposedly was there. Hmm. A math teacher, hmm. old lady. And you guys were in school. That helps you at all. Really? That is really surprising. But hey, in that one too. I just want to say I read minds better than y'all do. Okay. Um, I didn't go to the school. I can't. No, yeah, but you know her camp. too. But you would know her too because I think you went on a trip with her. You did. Um, oh, okay. Was, I know who does that. Wasn't the main person in charge, but she was the older lady. I got yeah. it. I roomed yeah. with her. We were roomies. <sighs> I could totally see that. Mm -hmm. So could I. Maybe I just don't know her very well because I'm like super surprised by that, but I don't think I ever had her. Mm. Well, I slept in the next bed. She was kind of crunchy. Definitely could have been a hippie. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely crunchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anything else we forgot? Also hated Patty's boyfriend. Just saying. Oh, oh yeah. What a jerk. The worst. Hated Horrible. Him. And also so annoyed with Patty for taking him back. Mm -hmm. I know. All right. Well, that will bring us to the end of our discussion then. Just talking about domestic abuse. It's a good way to <laughs> leave things. Uplifting. Well, I have some good news. Next up, we're going to be reading a book called Love Walked In, which is the first book in a four-part series by Marissa De Los Santos. This author is actually the first author that we read as a book club, so we're really excited to introduce her to all of you. So get ready for our next episode in two weeks' time. In the meantime, as always, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Novel Expressions Book Club. And if you like our show, tell everyone you know. And yes, we do mean everyone to listen. Until we read again. Mm -hmm.